Hello, truthers. I am your host, Nafaya Reed, lifestyle medicine practitioner and whole food plant-based nutrition coach. I am so excited to be here and share with you today. This is our weekly outlet to discuss lifestyle diseases that are preventable and curable through whole food plant-based nutrition and intentional living. Each week, we will do a deep dive into how your food is affecting you and how plant-based nutrition can add energy, stamina, vitality, and years to your life. Welcome to the Living Truth Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of the Living Truth Podcast. Uh, We made it. We made it. (laughs) Uh, I am your producer, Sean Reed. I am joined by your host, Nafia Reed. You guys have no idea how long it took us to get here, but we are so excited that we finally are and we are ready to get started. Uh, Today, we are going to focus on introducing Nafia to you all so you guys can get comfortable, get to know her and uh, sort of get to know where she comes from and how we got to where we are now. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add before we go ahead and get started? No, let's just jump right into this thing. Sure thing. So uh, firstly, uh, who are you? Let, let's talk a little bit um, just uh, about your background. Uh, who are you? Where do you come from? Well, all of you already know my name. And just in case you just joined, I am Nafia Reed. I am the host of the Living Truth podcast, the CEO and founder of Living Truth Lifestyle Medicine and Whole Food Plant-Based Coaching. I am a wife, a mother. I'm a nurse, an advanced practice nurse that has committed over half of my life to clinical practice, ranging from critical care to family practice and everything in between. I love serving other people. I think I was born, I think God put me here to help heal people. And that is my desire to heal people and to glorify God through that. Through my nursing practice, I began to realize that we as healthcare providers and associates were not doing something right. And that just did not make me feel good. I've been in practice for nearly 20 years. It might be about 20 years right now. I can't count as I'm talking, but it might be about 20 years. And I have yet to see anyone healed from a lifestyle disease. And so that's my goal to help heal this world of lifestyle diseases, diseases that we don't have to suffer. I know uh, to a certain extent that you have struggled yourself with some chronic lifestyle diseases. Uh, What what is your history yourself of chronic lifestyle diseases and sort of, I guess, but outside of just um, your your general calling to want to help and heal people? What really drew you to plant based nutrition? What in your own experience really drew you here? If anyone knows me personally, you know, I'm a very petite person and to look on the outside for many people, they thought I looked great in clothes. Yes, I did look great. When I undressed, I knew that my body was not great. I looked great on the outside, but something wasn't right on the inside. And I should rephrase that and say I look great with clothes on because once I took my clothes off, I didn't look great either. My middle was round. I was a, a little bit heavier than I should be for my stature. Finally, I was diagnosed as pre-diabetic. I have been diagnosed with depression, migraines, high cholesterol, and I thought my overall health was great. Not only was I diagnosed once when I went back for my annual physical the following year, 
I was still considered pre-diabetic and high cholesterol. And that didn't feel good to me. I am a healthcare provider. I am not supposed to be in this status. I felt very hypocritical telling people what they should and they should not do, what they should be eating, what medication they should be taking. And here I am with these diagnoses as well and not doing very well. So immediately after that second year of being diagnosed with the same thing, after attempting the prescriptions and the lifestyle changes, quote unquote, lifestyle changes that the doctor prescribed, I had enough and I wanted to make a change. And so I did that. That's when I adopted a vegan diet. A vegan diet is great. And I want to say that a vegan diet is not the same as a plant based diet. Although a vegan diet is better for you, some of the things that you consume are detrimental to your overall health. That's what I found on my vegan diet. Although I didn't eat meat and dairy, I still consumed a ton of sugar, a ton of salt, and some of the things that I had eaten, a ton of oils. In the whole food plant-based community, we call that SOS. And we'll talk more about that on a later podcast. So my weight did not go down. At the end of 2020, I think I weighed 118.6 pounds. And some of you are balking at that. You're probably saying something like, oh, I was 118 pounds when I was in high school. I'm 118 pounds on a four foot nine frame. So I was uh, very round. My middle was very round. I was stressed. So the cortisol was affecting the shape of my body. So my middle was big. If you don't believe me, if you go to my webpage, we'll show some of the before and after pictures eventually. I was always always tired, always fatigued. And I thought that was because I worked very hard, but that was not the case. It was what I was consuming. So I began to change that. So I went from just a quote unquote vegan diet to a whole food plant-based diet, intentionally added some physicality to that uh, with the assistance of whole food plant-based coach and fitness coach, and was able to get down within a matter of 90 days, actually less than 90 days from 118.6 pounds to 102 pounds. And even today, and that was last year. And even today, I'm probably still in the best shape of my life. Now, just to back up a little, you talked about how um, even a, a few years ago, if a person were just to be looking at you on the outside, they will probably go, that person looks great. Or if not great, they look like they are at least in perfectly fine average health. Can you talk a little bit about maybe some of your uh, upbringing or what were some of the factors in life that maybe uh, led to that pre-diabetic diagnosis? And did you uh start to feel bad or notice that something wasn't right before your diagnosis or was that diagnosis sort of the wake up call that, okay, maybe everything's not all right and I need to get going in a different direction? Well, let's talk about what led to that. So for many of us, I am a black woman or African-American, whatever word you like to use. I am a black woman in our culture. uh, There are a lot of things that we have adopted as quote unquote culture. So our diet, our diets were given to us. A lot of the things that we eat, we eat because those were the scraps that were left when we were in slavery. And that has been passed on from generation to generation. And I know a lot of people don't like to talk about that, but it is the truth. A lot of things that we eat, we should not be consuming. And I'm talking about our pig's feet, our animal intestines, chitterlings, cooking in lard and deep frying food. Our ancestors ate those things because that's all that 
they had to eat. We have more access to better foods, more access to information than we've ever had. So unfortunately, what has happened, those recipes, that food has been passed on from generation to generation. And as my nutrition coach told me, it's not a generation thing. We are holding it hostage. Those are things we don't have to hold on to. And it's not the food that we love. It's the togetherness that we love. And so we can we can still have that good food without the elements that are truly killing us. To your second point, as a healthcare provider, I knew something was wrong. Again, I was always fatigued. I was always tired. I got very, very severely depressed at um, one point. And that, that just wasn't me. And all of those things are caused by the intake of sugar. Believe it or not, sugar is not our friend. I was that individual who had snacks in their nightstand drawer on their night table, who would eat a five pound bag of gummy bears instead of dinner in a day. Again, back to the snacks in the night table, I would wake up in the middle of the night and eat Nihilators or Swedish fish. My very, 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 very favorite candy is red vines. This feels like it's beginning to become very personal. <laughs> So the person sitting across the table from you. <laughs> it is very personal because the person ac- sitting across the table from me is my son and my producer. And unfortunately, I didn't know better as I was poisoning myself. I was also poisoning him. He and I would share huge bags of gummy bears and huge bags of red Swedish fish and for Christmas and birthdays, they knew how much I loved red vine. So everybody would buy me big containers of them, the kind that they sell at Sam's Club. <laughs> and so those things, number one, the sugar content of those things were harmful. Number two, the red dye and the artificial flavors in those things are very harmful. So my migraine headaches, it was probably a combination of things. But the sugar itself and the red dye, I've learned that I am allergic to the red dye. And I've done, I've been tested and I've done my own research where I've not eaten any red dye for a month. And as soon as I eat a red vine or anything that has red dye in it, I immediately get a headache. I immediately get an upset stomach and I don't feel good for the rest of the day, even if I only ingest just a little amount. So I always knew something was wrong and I knew I had to change something very quickly. So you brought up, Uh, the cultural ties uh, to maybe the diet among a lot of black people in slavery. Uh, I would just also like to add that uh, there are class ties to that too. So not just racial ties, but you'll find that uh, people of all colors and cultures who are poor uh, have found themselves in these situations of maybe getting left the scraps. That's the word you use or having access to uh, food that is worse for you, uh, and into speaking in today's terms, very processed foods, uh, very sugary foods, like you brought up, and which leads me to my next question: Is how if obviously um, your socioeconomic state has changed, uh, your location has changed since you've been a child, but what else has led to you overcoming some of those barriers? Uh, maybe like access to 
whole food or green foods, organic foods like that, because I would say I, I live in a, a very nice area in mid Michigan, but it is still much more common to come along something cheap and processed or fast food than it is to be able to find affordable organic whole options. So how have you overcome some of these barriers? Let's hold on to that overcoming thought. It is so true that it's so much easier to find food that will kill you than food that will give you longevity. For instance, you can go to McDonald's or Wendy's. I don't eat those foods, so I don't I might be saying this all wrong and get a five for five. That's a greasy burger with cheese, greasy nuggets, greasy fries, a dairy laden drink and a sugary dessert or two greasy burgers, whatever the five for five is. Again, I don't eat those foods, so I don't know the menu. For me that eats a plant-based diet, my salad at that same place is going to cost me $9. Or even if I went to a a local grocer, that salad is going to cost me a lot more for living food than food that is causing harm. Myself, I again, I'm very passionate about marginalized individuals. Um, diabetes is a great passion of mine because I was diagnosed as a pre-diabetic. Another reason that it's a great passion of mine is that 80% of the people who are pre-diabetic, they don't even know. And those people live in areas that we recognize as food deserts. They also suffer other social determinants of health. So in those food deserts, there is no Trader Joe's. There is no fresh time. A lot of those places don't even have Meyer or Kroger. So these individuals are going to the gas station to get food. A lot of the times that food in the gas station is cheap. You can get a huge bag of potato chips for a dollar or two. And so what what happens with these individuals with these diseases, they only have a certain amount of money to to spend as well. And, and, And we'll get more into the social determinants of health. So if you can feed your family a five with $20 and you can get two big bag of chips, You can get two packs of hot dogs and two loaves of dollar bread. That's what you're going to get for your family and some canned spaghetti. You're going to you're doing the best that you can with what you have. So you're going to go to that gas station and you're going to get that $20 worth of food so that your family can at least eat for two days. And in these neighborhoods, there are no guard. There are no Farmers market. Yes, <laughs> there are no farmers markets. And again, the and the grocery grocery stores. It might be one grocery store that is, if you want to say, viable in a ten mile radius. It's ten liquor stores, though maybe twenty, double that amount in a ten mile radius. So they're getting what's available for them. So food that's high in sodium content, high in sugar and fat content, what can quickly be prepared. Other issues as well with nutrition is that mothers and fathers are doing their best to work and provide for their family. So a lot of time children have to be at home and prepare their meals. So they're buying things that might not be nutrient dense, but it's easy for a child to prepare or to put in the microwave. And so that that's very unfortunate. I have been blessed to overcome that. I live in a rural area that has lots of open land. My property that I live on, I'm able to garden on it. I have farmers markets and fresh farms all around me where I can go and get fresh vegetables. I have been able to 
obtain the knowledge and know the difference between living food and food that causes death. I have the means to hire a nutrition coach to teach me because even as a healthcare provider, that foundation is is more than 20 years strong. In all of that education, I was only required to have one nutrition class. And in that nutrition class, I was being taught the SAD diet, the standard American diet. The standard American diet is low in fiber, low in fruits and vegetables, high in animal fat, high in saturated and hydrogenated fats, and high in sugars, which sugar is not our friend. I'm going to say that a lot. Sugar is not our friend. A report from the National Cancer Institute on the status of American diet found that three out of four Americans don't eat a single piece of fruit in a given day. And I know that to be true. I know several Americans that live right in this household that don't eat any fruit in a given day. And nearly nine out of 10 don't reach the minimum recommended daily intake of vegetables. 96% of Americans don't reach the minimum for greens or beans, which is three servings a week for adults. 98% don't reach the minimum of orange vegetables, two servings a week. And almost 100% don't reach the minimum of whole grains. And that's about three to four ounces a day. All that means is that nearly the entire U.S. population consumes a diet that is not on par with recommendations. So that is very sad. Wouldn't you think so? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's uh, terrible. And I think a lot of that has to do with the education surrounding this topic. And that's something I wanted to bring up, too. Um, Obviously, you yourself, you have decades of education and knowledge on these topics. That is not the case for most people. In my experience, uh, certainly going through the K through 12 system in America, I remember hearing, you know, little cute slogans like uh, apple a day keeps the doctor away, eat your veggies. But I don't recall nutrition, even in health class, ever really being taken seriously. I was mostly told or led to believe that as a young person, just eating anything was good for me. Put food and calories in your body, you'll grow and be strong. It doesn't matter if it's box macaroni and cheese, fast food, just eat something. Right, it, right. Most uh predominantly and this is because I am lactose intolerant, I remember the Got Milk campaign, which was uh a campaign purpose to get all American children to truly just consume as much milk as possible with the uh belief that you would get strong, dense bones and and grow up to be a a healthy adult, which come to find out a decade later is mostly uh unfounded and also plenty of Americans and plenty of humans in general are flat out lactose intolerant. <laughs> so what what do you uh have to say uh, about the education surrounding nutrition in our country and just the general conversation about nutrition overall and maybe how it's not taken as seriously as it could be. Again, I was required by my program to take one nutrition class. Most healthcare providers are required only that one nutrition class or it is an elective. So It is definitely not taken seriously because we are all taught to just eat. And if you can eat, then you'll be healthy no matter what you're eating, which we know now is not true at all. Sean's parents are we're, we're little people. So he was a little person and his doctor gave me those exact words because he wouldn't eat hardly anything. Oh, just let him eat whatever he will eat. And he'll grow. So just as he said, exact words that his doctor gave me, let him eat whatever he will eat and he'll grow. And what he was eating was not nutrient dense at all. And my poor child just grew by the grace of God because 
Lucky Charms and <laughs> Easy Mag <laughs> did not do it at all. I think that nutrition should be taught. It should be a requirement starting from elementary school, starting from when children can understand the difference between right and wrong. Nutrition should start young and it should definitely be mandated in higher education, especially when it comes to healthcare providers giving information. Listen to my Saturday soapbox rant about healthcare providers still prescribing milk and cheese for children for strong bones. It's not true. (laughs) Don't do it. Um, Most individuals are lactose intolerant, specifically most African-American individuals. What lactose intolerance is, is the inability to digest the sugar lactose that is in milk. You can't break it down. Therefore, you get upset stomach, most likely diarrhea. Some people do suffer with nausea and vomiting after ingesting dairy. That's just a little information for you there. And I have certainly experienced all of those things, but uh, it's still something I'm working through. But like I said, I I was fully indoctrinated at this point. Dairy's got a vice grip on me and it's uh, very hard for me to uh, pull away from some things like uh, macaroni and cheese or ice cream, you know, cheesecake, all the delicious things of the world. But they they do flat out make me ill, you know. And it's hard. You use the words. It's hard for you to pull away from it. It's hard for you to pull away from it because of its addictive qualities. Uh, Sugar is very addictive. So anything that ends in O-S-E, that's a sugar. No matter what it is, that, that's a sugar or you might see an OL, that's a sugar alcohol. Sugar is very addictive. It's just as addictive as crack cocaine or heroin. It affects your mind the same exact way. So now I want to sort of segue. We spent a lot of time talking about the nutrition. And at least from what I've heard, please correct me if I'm wrong, as far as taking care of your body, that's certainly the most important part, what you're fueling it with, the nutrition uh, along with a healthy amount of water. But can we talk a little bit more about the physical part of how you keep yourself healthy, the exercise, and then also the mental part of how you stay disciplined and intentional and consistent? Uh, We can, and you are correct. What you put in your body, and for any person who is deep into fitness, you know that 80% of it is nutrition. The other 20% of it is the actual exercise. So that's the 80-20 rule. You also have heard the quote that abs are made in the kitchen and not in the gym. So again, that is talking about your nutrition, what you're doing. Now you want to put those together. They, they work very well in synergy, but the higher percentage is your nutrition. As a general goal, each and every person should aim for at least 30 minutes of moderate physical activity every day. If you want to lose weight or and maintain that weight loss or meet specific fitness goals, you may need to exercise more. And reducing sitting is important as well. So not just eating, you have to move your body. When you move your body, it also affects your mind. It affects your well-being. I talked a little bit about my depression that I suffered. When I start to move my body more, my symptoms of depression start to dissipate. And they have completely dissipated. When I am sad or when I feel that something is off, I get a good run in, about an hour run or a good workout in. 
So if you have been diagnosed with depression, moving your body might be the prescription that you need. Not saying to stop your medication. I am not your doctor. I'm not giving you medical advice, but moving your body will help to manage your weight. It can help to manage that depression and again, help you feel stronger, help increase your energy. I talked about increasing your stamina. Physicality is very important for mind, body, heart, and soul. And I would just like to say to all our listeners, we're not on video, but uh, Nafia is standing (laughs) right now as we speak. Uh, So she is sticking, you know, true to her word uh, and, and even being active while we speak here on the podcast. So this has all been great. Um, I've loved talking to you a little bit about uh, your history, um, about nutrition, about activity. But now I sort of want to go back to the beginning and talk about uh, what we're doing here. What are what what is living truth? What, and, uh, what, what are your goals? Who are you trying to reach? My goal is to change the current standard of health care and make it better for everyone by eradicating lifestyle diseases that cause premature death and disabilities by enhancing the quality of care and increasing the quality of life for those that I serve. I have a true passion for the well-being and health of all individuals. I have a, a great commitment to help others achieve hope in the communities all around the nation and a desire to help individuals reach their highest potential through education, through wellness and support. I have spent the greater part of my life serving in healthcare as a nurse with the latter part earning a doctoral degree in nursing. But unfortunately, as I continued my education, it became very apparent to me that the current methods of treatment have not served people well and the quality in healthcare is non-existent. So I was drawn to create Living Truth Lifestyle Medicine Practice, where we focus on nutrition, fitness, and whole person health. It was imperative that I share this knowledge and help others adopt a lifestyle that would increase their energy, their focus, physical ability, and ultimately their lifespan. I just want to let you guys know that embracing a plant-based lifestyle and adding some intentional physicality to daily activities will reverse and abate chronic lifestyle diseases, inflammation, migraine headaches, and can mitigate emotional and behavioral health concerns and so much more. So stick with us here at Living Truth. Take a listen, share your feedback, share the podcast, join us weekly. Well, that is so exciting. And this has been so exciting. Uh, That'll wrap up this inaugural episode of the Living Truth podcast. Before we get out of here, I just want to say that it is uh, an honor to be able to be a part of the podcast and also some of the other things that uh, I'm a part of here at Living Truth. And I'm so excited to be working with you and learning from you about this whole food plant-based lifestyle. And I'm just so excited to see what Living Truth has in store for the community and for the world of health uh, in the coming weeks, months, and years. I am just excited and so blessed to have you here with me. All right, guys. Well, that'll be a wrap. I've been your producer, Sean. I'm Nafire, your host. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you all for joining us for the very first episode of the Living Truth Podcast. Get connected with all things Living Truth by checking out our webpage, livingtruth.org, and following us at living.truth on Instagram and at livingtruth on all other platforms. Stay tuned for next week's episode, Thursday, July 14th. Schedule your consultation with Nafaya today and start living an intentional life of vitality through nutrition.